Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week, we're digging deep into the history books to find out little-known facts about the presidents. Mm. We're going to get into celebrity bands. Juicy. Just trying to make this podcast really lively and fun. I've got a book recommendation. Woo! Well, see, you preaching to the choir here. Library <laughs> card. Yes! So we'll start with presidents. Okay. Lay the history on me. I have so much history for you guys. Wait, why are we talking about presidents? I don't know if you knew this, but President's Day was a couple days ago. So can you just clarify for me what a president actually is? Because I've heard people say the word. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you British person. (laughs) They're the leader of the free world. Uh That means we are even better than Britain. Oh, but our ministers are prime. That's true. And a lot of these presidents that I'm going to talk about were actually British. Oh, Mm. thank God. So there's that whole loophole thing. (laughs) But yes, we've been celebrating presidents. Some are better than others. Some facts about them are better than others. So I'm not going to hit every president because some are boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I got some some good stuff for you. Ooh, okay. Let, let's start at the top. George Washington. Okay. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Yes. Makes me want to chop down a cherry tree or something. My fact about George Washington is that his teeth are often said to have been wooden. Mm-hmm. They oh. weren't. They were made out of gold what oh la la oh my gosh what a bowler he had a grill <laughs> yes george washington had a grill the okay first <laughs> national grill also ivory rude oh, oh yeah. yeah lead ew oh and animal teeth oh what like a lion's yeah fangs? Or, or like a jackal's little nubbins i don't know but moving on mm-hmm. second and third presidents john adams and jefferson so they were kind of buddies they even went to visit shakespeare's hometown oh stratford upon avon that's what it's called <laughs> lovely place yes that one and they were on this trip having so much fun that they took out a knife and chipped off a piece from <gasps> shakespeare's chair as a souvenir Ooh. rude it gets ruder though then they start bickering so they're oh. like Justin and JC from NSYNC. Like, they're friends, but they actually are competitors. So what they've done is they're friends who decide to go on a trip together without checking that they're travel compatible. Mm, they're, they're frenemies? Always check. So, yeah, they shouldn't have gone on a trip because it led to John Adams saying this about Jefferson. If he was elected, quote, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. And that wasn't a good thing. Yeah, where's that class? I'm like, <laughs> sounds like the rhetoric that's being uh, bandied around in, in modern day times. Mm, it all comes back. So they, you know, no longer were friends. And then they end up dying on the same day. Oh, oh. awkward. And that day was July 4th. <gasps> what? What? That's crazy. And Adam's last words were, Thomas Jefferson survives, but he was actually dead already. He just didn't know that. So anyway, those two are connected as frenemies for life. (laughs) I'm loving these facts. Are you guys enjoying your swivel chairs? I am. Yeah. Well, Thomas Jefferson invented that. (gasps) Can I just point out that I thought you were actually stopping recording and saying, how's your chair? Are you comfortable? (laughs) Which is why my response was like, yeah. She's she's checking in on you. He was just checking in. Mm -hmm. Moving on. John Quincy Adams, son of John Adams of Thomas Jefferson frenemy fame, Mm -hmm. (laughs) became the sixth president down the line. Nepotism. We already talked about that last week. Yeah, it's a Gwyneth Paltrow situation. 
goop.com. And if he was an editor on goop.com, he would have written an article about how great it is to wake up early in the morning and skinny dip in the Potomac. Mm. And if you look up a photo of John Quincy Adams, not a good visual. Oh, so he was not trained by celebrity trainer Tracy Anderson. I guess not. (laughs) Not everyone can afford her. That's all I'll say. Our seventh president, Andrew Jackson, taught his parrot how to curse, which is all fun and games until the parrot attends your funeral and won't (gasps) stop cursing and has to be taken out. Escort the parrot out of the funeral? Mm -hmm. What kind of funeral was it that the parrot was invited (laughs) to? Was it wearing black? The parrot wants to pay its respects and, like, say a few words. Have a little veil on. He's got a few things to say. Get off his chest. Our 12th president, President Taylor, was hanging out on the grounds where the Washington Monument is right now, just, like, chilling on 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And he gulped down a large quantity of cherries and iced milk and then died. Oh, God. And people think that it was probably bacteria on the cherries or in the milk or something like that. But yeah, he died a few days days later. Because until the death thing, that also sounded like a delicious raw recipe on (laughs) goop.com. Stop plugging her website. (laughs) That's her milkshake recipe. (laughs) Going back to birds, Ulysses S. Grant's presidential inauguration, there were canaries that were supposed to sing at the inaugural ball. But they all started swearing. No, they didn't swear. They froze to death. It was so cold. (laughs) Like, I I guess I could imagine what one bird would sound like, but I don't know what the coordinated chorus of canaries would I'm just kind of imagining like a Disney kind of... Oh, very Snow White kind of thing. In the forest. That's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Practice. Speaking of beautiful things. Oh. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. Oh. You love Abraham Lincoln. And just for the listeners at home, Emmanuel has... A framed photo. I was about to say a signed photo. (laughs) That would be wrong and incorrect and impossible. He has a framed photograph of Abraham Lincoln on his desk that I believe someone has actually graffitied. Mm -hmm. Yes. Someone wrote on it, hey girl. I love, that's my favorite part of the picture. But girl is spelt with a U. Yes. It's girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's thanks to Kristen Farr who Mm -hmm. gifted me the framed photo with that old caption. So Abe Lincoln is hot and we all know this. Yeah. He was really tall. We all know this. Did you know that he was a wrestler? Huh? No. And he was defeated only once out of approximately 300 matches. Wow. I'm trying to imagine him wrestling. So wait. It's a sexy picture. Daniel Day-Lewis has played Abraham Lincoln as an old man. So therefore, am I permitted to imagine young Abraham Lincoln as a young Daniel Day-Lewis wrestling 300 times? Permitted. Great. I'll just go and take the rest of the podcast off. Thanks very much. You've got the visuals. He also, in addition to being a tall drink of water, he also served tall drinks as a bartender. Oh. He was a hipster. Wrestler, bartender. With the beard? The beard and the hat, just style for days. So from the sexy to the least sexy thing Mm -hmm. I've read in a long time. Uh Uh-oh. Grover Cleveland had this law partner, Oscar Folsom. What? They were all Sesame Street characters. (laughs) (laughs) Grover and Oscar, yeah. So his law partner dies, and Grover Cleveland is like, oh, I'm going to be the legal guardian to his orphan child. Natural. This 11-year-old girl, Frances Folsom. That's nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And it should have ended there. Right. Oh, no. Instead. Don't come on. Ten years later, he married her. Mm -mm. Oh, no. After helping raise her. No. And she was the youngest first lady ever at the age of 21. Oh. So, ew. The most despised president ever, apparently, was this man named John Tyler. 
He was expelled from his own party. (laughs) His entire cabinet resigned, except for one person. And he was quoted as being a, quote, poor, miserable, despised imbecile. Wait, how did he even get elected then? Someone died or something. Oh, okay. mm. And President Lincoln, when he died, didn't issue a proclamation mourning, and flags were not put at half-mast. And his obituary in the New York Times said this about him, quote, the most unpopular public man that had ever held any office in the United States. Oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> so they're just pissing all over his grave. Oh, Super shady. Right. James Garfield, our 20th president. Oh, the cat guy. Exactly. He loves lasagna. Um, he was shot, unfortunately. Oh, and I feel bad about the cat. Then. The doctors back then didn't know what the hell they were doing. And so they tried to use this metal detector, newly invented by Andrew Graham Bell, to find the bullets Ooh. so they could take them out. Oh, no. But the bed springs were setting it off. And so they kept cutting into him in oh, the wrong places. Oh, my gosh. That's and they also were like putting their fingers in his wounds and stuff and all the bacteria went in there and then he died from what the doctors did trying to help him. Oh. Is this a good point to insert my amazing historical medical fact about how they used to try and get tapeworms out of people in Victorian times? Yeah. They built a tiny little compartment, almost like a little locket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they would put it on the end of a chain and it would have a little door in it. So they'd put it down someone's throat in the hope that the tapeworm... Just open the door. Yeah, would be like, oh, the elevator's here and get in it. Are you serious? Was there bait in there? Yes. Like what? And then they would try to yank the little elevator back up. Okay, so how do you know if the tapeworm went in? I think they killed everyone involved with these (laughs) things and never got that far. And also, if it does work, a tapeworm is coming out of your mouth. Yes. That used to be in your bowels or whatever. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hmm. Glad we live in 2016. So the 25th president, President McKinley, wore a red carnation always. And it was like his lucky charm when he was trying to get elected. And then one day he was at this world fair and this little girl is brought up and he's like, oh, here's my carnation. And then a couple of people later, his assassin shoots him because he didn't have his lucky carnation. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say the assassin targeted the person who was now wearing the carnation. Whoa. Yeah. That would have been a twist. But it didn't happen. <laughs> no, that girl ended up growing up into a old lady giving her story to some newspaper. Mm. Like in Titanic. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt also mm-hmm. shot. There's a lot of shooting happening. But Epidemic. he didn't die. And he said this. He was giving a speech when this happened. And he says, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot. I give you my word. I do not care a rap about being shot. Not a rap. Oh, not a rap. He's a rider. So and, there was a lot of shots being fired. This yes. is the original meaning of shots fired. Yes. <laughs> the historical <laughs> meaning of shots fired. <laughs> he went on to finish the hour and a half speech with a bullet lodged in his chest. Oh. I can't even contemplate working when I'm hungover. That is the ultimate, like, clapback for the haters right there. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot me and I'm just going to do a speech with the bullet in my body. You just know that he reminded people of that for a long time afterwards. How can you not? I would ride on that for a while. I would. Calvin Coolidge had a morning ritual where he ate breakfast while someone rubbed Vaseline on his head. Oh, <laughs> that's very coming to America. Who hasn't indulged in that practice once in a while? President Hoover would request that servants would jump into closets and hide when he would come around. And if you didn't and he saw you, he would fire you. Oh. John F. Kennedy Mm -hmm. had a dad who went to Harvard and he was trying to get into school as well. And his father wrote him the most lackluster recommendation ever. Jack was, quote, careless and lacks application. Ouch. If your own dad's saying that. 
And, Thanks, Dad. Ooh. But he didn't give him a great recommendation, but he did give him a million dollars when he turned 21. Oh, it makes up okay. for it. And JFK was quoted as saying to the British prime minister, quote, if I don't have a woman for three days, I get terrible headaches, unquote. <sighs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Poor Jackie. That's just, ridiculous. Wow. Just to return to the uh, lackluster reference, a friend of mine did actually have that happen to her where as part of a long-term revenge scheme, a colleague offered to write her reference for her next job and when she was asked to do so, completely sabotaged her with a terrible reference. What? Yeah. How long? True story. I long-term wonder how long she was scheme. thinking about that. I, I don't like to think just, about let's it. Let's just unpack the layers, right? If you offer, that means that you have to hang around this person and keep up exactly. with, the, with this idea that how you How Machiavellian like do you other? have to be to come up with that? Sounds yeah. like something John Adams would do to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> President Reagan consulted with an astrologer, Joan Quigley, before scheduling any big event, apparently it wasn't in the stars to ever mention AIDS or HIV during his presidency. Hmm. Well, if there's one thing I want from the man with his finger on the nuclear button, it's superstition. This is magic eight ball right next to the, <laughs> exactly. to, the, to the button. George Bush Sr. inspired a word in Japanese, bushu suro. Which means? Which means to do the Bush thing, which means... <laughs> Publicly vomiting on someone. No. Where did you get that from? Because Bush puked on the Japanese prime minister in 1992. I didn't know that. Have you not seen this video? No. All you remember is a big thing because there was a whole, they were were talking about whether or not he was poisoned or something like that. I remember people being really freaked out. Wait, he yommed all over the Japanese prime minister. You can watch the video. He just like looks like he's about to fall. No. No. Are you trying to set me up? This is real life. This is real life. (laughs) And Barbara Bush comes over and like tries to put a napkin over him and then it just like shoots out and then he collapses and pukes everywhere i've never heard this story yeah this happened and that's why the japanese have a word to commemorate can we say the word again what is it bushu suro bushu suro to bush all over someone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and last two quick facts bill clinton has two grammys what george w bush lead cheerleader boom mic drop I hope that you guys take these facts forward, share them with others. I loved them. Best history lesson ever. Thank you. And there are even more facts that I couldn't fit into this segment, but they'll be on KQED Pop in an article. So mm-hmm. if you are a history buff, go find them. Extra KQED. credit reading. Yeah. Yeah. Educating the people. When Johnny comes marching home again, hurrah, hurrah, we give him a hearty welcome then, hurrah, hurrah, for the men will cheer the boys. So unless you were under a rock this past couple of weeks, you already know that Beyonce pretty much killed Super Bowl weekend. That's all anybody was talking about. First, she dropped the formation video on Saturday, then decided to go on a shopping spree and purchase like every stitch of black leather, every black beret in the state of California, (laughs) show up at the Super Bowl and show out. Um, in a performance that many are saying is a dedication or a tribute to the Black Panther Party. And if you don't know about the Black Panther Party, there's a great documentary that just aired on KQED called The Black Panther's Vanguard of a Revolution. I recommend you check it out. Anyway, she did this performance. It was fabulous. And now people are analyzing it. So I'm going to just drop a few quick facts about it because there are levels, as Meek Mill would say. There's levels to this issue. So the timing. Obviously, it was Black History Month. 
Still is. It still is. Stacey Dash is in denial about that, but it's happening. <laughs> it is here. To the wardrobe. Clearly, her dancers were styled in Black Panther aesthetic, all black leather, full froze, black berets. And Beyonce was also in black, but she had like some additional commander in chief business going on. So you knew that she was the leader because she just does things like that. And God, she, she looked it. amazing. Okay. Three, location. As we all know, Super Bowl 50 was in the Bay Area. Do we know what else is in the Bay Area? Oakland, California, the city where the Black Panthers were founded in 1966. And guess what 2016 commemorates? The anniversary. The 50th anniversary of the founding of the Black Panther Party. So then you go on to fact number four, the teams who were playing. So I just want to take a moment to think about this. Super Bowl 50 in the Bay Area, a stone's throw away from Oakland, California, where the Panthers were founded 50 years ago. And the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Panthers. Whoa. Levels. Levels. There are levels. Okay. So many levels. It's like a parking garage. So it's not a coincidence. Beyonce was trying to make a statement. Clearly she made one. I'm just going to go out and say it. Yes, the Carolina Panthers were only in Super Bowl 50 because Beyonce willed it to happen. Okay. The Beijing is a lot more powerful than we thought. Um, (laughs) She tried to tell you a few songs ago, the girls run the world. Clearly you weren't listening. Maybe you got the point now. So after her performance, Beyonce had another surprise announcement for us. World tour. World tour. The formation world tour. So at this point, I'm thinking we're all on the same page, right? Clearly. We need to learn the choreography so that we can all be in formation when she comes to a city (laughs) near us. She gave (laughs) us two days to get the money. She gave us two days to get the money. It's like flash mob mentality, worldwide flash mob mentality. But clearly, we weren't on the same page because 24 hours later, a Toronto city councilor called for an investigation of Beyonce saying, quote, if someone wore bullets and supported a radical group here... They would not be welcome in the United States. That's for sure. He went on to say, we should not be promoting gun culture or anti-police sentiments. So essentially, he put out there and floated the idea that we need to put the kibosh on Beyonce's Canada leg of the tour. Stop her at the border. Stop her at the border. Well, you know what? If she can't go to Canada, more Beyonce for us. I can live with that. We get to hog her here. More Beyonce for us. But guess what? Apparently... The Beijingcy gave him a call because within 24 hours, he had walked back those comments. As he should. So can you imagine the uprising that would have happened if if Canadians couldn't get in formation? Mm -mm. I don't like to envision it. People started tweeting. People were highly upset. So we took it back. So luckily, Beyonce has not been banned from Canada. Look forward to her coming there. But there are a few other celebrities who have been banned. So I want to get into some of the bands really quickly. And I want to do a quiz. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Question number one. Now, while this celebrity was technically not officially banned, Japan issued a warrant for her arrest after she interfered with a dolphin hunt. So she likely won't be going back anytime soon. Is it A, diehard vegan and PETA supporter Alicia Silverstone? Okay. B, singer of the saddest ASVCA commercial you've ever seen, Sarah McLaughlin? Oh. Or C, Nashville actress Hayden Panettiere? This is tough. It is. I want to say Alicia, but I think it's Hayden. See? As if I think it's Alicia Silverstone. You would be right, Emmanuel. It is actually Hayden. So she will not be going to Japan. There is a warrant out for her arrest. Wait, so how is she actively interfering with these dolphin hats? I don't know if she, like, jumped in the water. She's probably passing out Lisa Frank folders with dolphins in and be like, look, they're really cute. Let's stop killing them, okay? (laughs) Okay, next question. After cracking a, and I quote, mail order bride joke, 
On The Letterman Show, this actor was banned from the Philippines after a politician publicly threatened to beat him. (laughs) They don't play in the Philippines. Don't play at all. A, Will Ferrell. B, Alec Baldwin. Or C, Jack Black. Oh, it sounds like something Alec Baldwin would say. Agree. You would be correct. Yes. If Alec Baldwin sets foot in the Philippines, Manny Pacquiao will be at the airport <laughs> waiting for him. <laughs> Just take him out. Next question. This band, the entire band, was banned from Japan due to their drug use. A band band. A, Black Sabbath. B, the Rolling Stones. Or C, Aerosmith. Take your pick. This is what an SAT quiz should be, right? Oh. On the SATs, I always did C if I didn't know it. And yeah. that's not a great strategy. I think it's probably Black Sabbath. Rolling Stones. You're correct, Emmanuel. Yes. The Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay. This celebrity was banned from entering the United Kingdom due to a criminal conviction. A, Robert Downey Jr., B, Martha Stewart, or C, Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. All of the above. Can we have that? Martha. I'm going to go for Martha because it's unexpected. I'm going to go for Robert Downey Jr. because Lindsay Lohan was in a play recently there. You would be correct, Carly. Martha Stewart was banned from the United Kingdom. I don't know if they've lifted the ban, but she was banned because of her conviction. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Okay, so this one is a domestic question, but it's a good one. So I'm going to go ahead and and put it out there. A federal judge in the state of Florida was petitioned by a Pennsylvania inmate who requested an emergency restraining order to keep these individuals from visiting the Sunshine State. 44-year-old Rain Richard Albright said... They are, quote, the worst pair of role models this world has ever seen. Is it A, former TV Hill star Heidi Montag and Spencer Pratt? (laughs) B, Kimberly Noel Kardashian West and Twitter ranter Kanye Omari West? Or C, Real Housewives cast members Teresa and Joe Judice? Kim and Kanye. Kim Ye. Because I want it to be true. Heidi and Spencer. They are banned. I can't remember what country they're banned from, but they do have a ban. But it's actually Kim and Kanye. Yes. <laughs> they can't I'm go to doing Florida? An inmate, oh, wow. an inmate. They can. An inmate has petitioned Whoa. for them not to be allowed in Florida. When even Florida says it doesn't want you. Okay. This celebrity was forced to stay in the United States pending the settlement of a custody dispute with her ex. A, Britney Spears. B, actress Halle Berry. Or C, rapper MIA. Actress Halle Berry. Actress Halle Berry. She was forced to stay in the she U.S. She was forced to stay in the U.S. until the custody dispute with her ex was settled. Emmanuel, you know this. It's Hallie and Gabriel Aubrey. <laughs> Come on. I do, but MIA had some, some issues with her husband oh, God, as well. Oh, God, that's true. And they have a kid. And I know it's not Brittany. Hallie. Rapper MIA oh! was forced to stay in the U.S. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you led me astray. <laughs> For the listeners at home, Emmanuel's looking at me with like the fire of a thousand suns in his eyes. And he just did finger guns at me. So there were a lot of things to get into. I couldn't get into them all. But you, all what you need to know is Malaysia, China, Singapore, they do not play. You will be banned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, folks, have we concluded that Making a Murderer, the hit Netflix show about a possible miscarriage of justice, is it over now? Because I binge-watched it in early January, I think, and I, I feel like with the very short memory of kind of 
pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's over. Is it over? Stephen Avery doesn't quite roll off the tongue. He's not in my head as much as Adnan mm. was. Interesting. Yeah. You never get over your first love. <laughs> He's a far less sympathetic <laughs> protagonist, that's for sure. Adnan yeah, never yeah. burned cats. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing you can't get over, right, Emmanuel? Yeah, I, I've watched one episode, and all I remember is that he threw a cat on a fire. Mm-hmm. That's a very it odd a neighbor, thing to do. It was like do. a friend's cat. I think they got into an argument, and it's part of the disagreement. Things get out of hand, and oops, before you, you throw know it. A cat on a fire. It's all fun and games until a cat goes on the barbecue. <laughs> He's definitely not a good person. And this is the this is the thing that people try and set up with Adnan that he is this, you know, golden boy that mm-hmm. is, you know, has been terribly wronged. But the trouble is it's way more nuanced with Stephen Avery. Like legitimately he's probably not a very good person at all with a terrible track record of uh, violence. You know, those letters that he wrote his wife while he was in prison the first time around. Like, yeah. They're horrible. They come up on the screen briefly in Making a Murderer. And he is vicious to his ex-wife. And I think there's some kind of threats in there. But the trouble is, terrible people can also be falsely accused of things. Well, see, that's the thing, I think, with Adnan, because he has like this golden boy image. It's You're, you're like, you want to pull for him. With Stephen Avery, I think people were like, well, even if he didn't do that. Yeah, no smoke without fire. He did something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know. (laughs) So I don't think there's going to be quite an uprising in the same way uh, about the the possible miscarriage of justice as there is with Adnan. To answer your question, I feel like the window to be into something these days is so short. Like, it went on Netflix. Everyone talked about it and wrote thing pieces about it for like a week, a week and a half. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's just kind of like, oh, you're still talking about that? Do you remember how long it used to take for movies to come out on VHS after they were in theaters? It was like a year. I pre-ordered Titanic at my local Woolworths in (laughs) 1998. But guys, if you feel that, you know, making a murderer is either over or that if you want something to sate your true crime first, because mm-hmm. I think you're thirsty for it. Yeah. You want the true crime, right? Thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> so this is a case I've been particularly obsessed with for quite a few years that I don't hear anyone talking about. There was this book written in 1983 called Fatal Vision. And I'm not saying it's a great book, but it's exceptionally readable. And it's written by a guy called Joe McGuinness. It all focuses around this case that happened in the late 60s, I think 1969. Manson fever is sweeping the United States. And in the midst of that, this doctor awakes one night to find that murdering hippies have broken into his home and killed his pregnant wife and two young daughters. It's a horrible case. This family lived on a military base in North Carolina, Hmm. and the doctor himself, who is called Jeffrey MacDonald, awakes to find that not only is his family dead, but that he has also been stabbed. He's been roughed up pretty badly. I'm sorry, he's been stabbed? He's been stabbed, But he doesn't remember anything before that? So he remembers being knocked out and fighting with hippies who intruded and killed his family. You're already seeing holes in the yeah, story. I'm like, hold on, you woke up roughed <laughs> up, but you, okay. Yeah, so basically the whole story is pretty outlandish. Like, these are like hippies from Central Casting. They're like chanting, like, acid is groovy and kill the pigs. and sit. <laughs> All of these, like, amazing 1969 details. Um, so quickly, people are smelling a rat. They're like, uh, could he just have killed his whole family? Maybe he did. And so he goes on trial and they find him not guilty. He then goes and lives the life of a bachelor and basically lives it up. Girlfriends, flashcards, the Open works. shirts. Exactly. Medallions. Hair, gold chains. Yeah. Okay. But the long arm of the law 
it has a long arm and it has a long memory as well. <laughs> so Snatched it him rat- snatches him back, puts him on trial for killing his family. And it's like a fascinating case, right? And in the middle of this comes this journalist called Joe McGuinness, mm-hmm. who says to Dr. Jeffrey MacDonald, I think you are innocent and this is a terrible miscarriage of justice. Allow me to come and live with you while you're on trial, like literally live in your house and I'm going to write a book. So Jeffrey MacDonald's like, that sounds great because I'm totally innocent and I didn't kill my wife and kids. So Joe McGuinness starts writing this book and in the course of writing the book, it seems decides that the doctor is not innocent. He is in fact guilty as hell. So the book that started out as a, you know, a defense of this man's innocence turns out into like this really damning portrait of an absolute psychopath that killed his own family, made up some outlandish story inspired by the Manson family murders, and then tried to get away with it. So the book is called Fatal Vision. It's by mm-hmm. Joe McGuinness. came out in 1983. Can we just talk about your quote? Because I feel like they need to print another edition of this book. And on the front, it needs to say, I'm not saying it's a great book. But it is exceptionally readable. Carly Severin. Can we just put that on the new edition? I mean, that's as close to an endorsement as you're going to get. That's like what you said about Scarlett Johansson's song where you're like, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's not so bad. So all of this is to say that for Making a Murderer fans, this book will be very juicy reading. So there you go. That's my reading recommendation. Get out your glasses and get on it. So we end every episode with a song. This week, because we've been talking a lot about presidents, I have a song by a group called Best Friends Forever. And the song is all about Abe Lincoln, and it's the cutest thing. It's all about, hey, if I was your wife, I would have put my head in front of that bullet for you. You and Abe Lincoln. I know. You're appalling. It goes deep. (laughs) (laughs) I would have recited Shakespeare with you, let you read all the good lines. You could have been Iago and Othello every time. I would have done your shopping for you, bought you your tall hands. I would have been presently affectionate. I would have put my hand in your long hand in. If I'd been on the balcony of Four Theater, when Mr. Booth came up with gun in hand, I would have put my head in front of your head. I would have put my head in front of your head. That's it for us this week. If you miss us, find us on social media at KQDPop. Bye. Bye. Bye.